Welcome to the Thrive College Podcast. We're a group of students preparing for the calling God has on our lives. If you sense there's important work that God wants you to do, you're in the right place. This is season two, The Battle for Mental Health. Welcome to the Thrive College Podcast. It is episode three. Hey, if you have not listened to episode two, uh, yeah, pretty much crying, feeling all the things it's you have to go back and you have to listen to it and then go back back listen to episode one because it really sets the stage for this conversation we're having about the battle for mental health so we're joined again his last episode for season three season three i jumped ahead season two the battle for mental health we're joined by wesley town pastors in davis anything you want to add to the bio i've been giving you no i'm just <laughs> just a dude who really is passionate about mental health yeah of a pastor I'm a writer and a teacher on all things mental health and suffering. And so just stoked you guys are having this conversation. So, so important. Oh, thank you. Well, we're honored that you are sharing your wisdom with us. Today, we also have the one and only Anne. Anne, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Anne, and I intern with fourth and fifth graders at Granite Bay, Bayside Granite Bay. And a fun fact about me is that these aren't my glasses, like these aren't for my prescription. I just wear them for fun. But That's I love so cool. And I did the same thing when I was in high school, theater kid. Were you a theater kid? No. This is just a life choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Except I went next level and I poked the lenses out. So it was like extra oh, unnecessary. Wow. So yeah. Nothing. Well, I just, just was, frame. you couldn't go to Claire's and like buy glasses that weren't prescriptions. So this was, I don't think other people were doing this hey, at the time. It's a vibe. Beanie glasses. Yeah, I love actually, it. I feel so left out right now. I bought my first fashion pair at Claire's. So hey, we are yep. just understanding each other this morning. Well, hey, guess what? I heard from your intern director, Matt. He literally stopped by my office and he said, Dina, Anne, and Amy. Apparently, you guys had this whole night where it was a parent worship night and you guys ran it and um, I think one of you guys preached and just was an amazing night. He was raving about the job that you're doing in internship. Mm. So you must be doing something right. Yeah, I think having a good intern director is the first step. But also my intern director has been pushing my um, intern partner, Amy, and myself to be speaking on stage. And so that's it. something new that I haven't done before. But I feel like it's something that I'm good at. Or something that I could be good at. Yes. You just preached for us at our um, chapel last Thursday. And I agree. You are great at it. And I can't wait to see what God does with it in your future. Thank you. So as we're diving in, always want to pass the mic to the next generation of leaders. So Anne, take it away. Yeah. So um, through Thrive College, we've had our communications intensive where we learn how to write a sermon. And so... Through that intensive, I've learned how to write a sermon and I was preparing to give my sermon like the same day and I felt like I had a calling towards that direction. And so I have a question about a calling and just what can you, how can you protect your mental health while also striving to go towards your calling and making sure that that doesn't interfere with your calling? That is such a valuable question. Uh, First of all, great job for thinking of that question. Secondly, this is a part of my story. I mean, I started ministry super young. Uh, I started Bible study when I was 18 years old as a high school student, actually 17, my senior year of high school. I was a 
basketball player who cared nothing about school and wasn't following Jesus. And then my junior year, I decided to follow Jesus. My senior year, I was like, I got to make a difference for Jesus now on my high school campus. I was always known as kind of the arrogant athlete uh, on campus. I wasn't very nice. I kind of kept to myself. I partied a lot. And my senior year, God had began to just reshape my life. And I was like, okay, we got to make a difference. Started Bible study on campus. Never in my life desiring to go into ministry. Didn't feel called. If there was like, you know how like in PE, you would have two captains and they would pick like, they always pick the best athlete Mm -hmm. than the person who's least, least athletic. Like if there was a pick for the Jesus team, I would be the last person picked, hmm. guaranteed. So I start this Bible study, and I think it was the second week, packed classroom, tons of students on campus. I had no idea people were going to show up, but people showed up, and I was an awful Bible teacher. I walked out of the classroom, and I felt like God said, I want you to do this the rest of your life. <sighs> like, shocking. My whole trajectory of life I had to reorient myself. So I began this pursuit, like young, teaching the Bible, doing ministry, studying the Bible, went to Bible college, seminary. Um, And I think the whole way through, like, I learned how to do ministry, leadership, exegesis, counseling, all these things that you get, you know, immersed in and learning about. Then I went and taught at a Bible college, led a Calvary Chapel Bible college, which was amazing. And then at 25, I moved to Eugene, Oregon to plant a church, 25 years old. That's so young. So young. Do not <laughs> recommend it to anyone. And I plant a church and also amazing too. I plant a church and I thought, wow, if we get to this, to be a church of a hundred people in the city of Eugene, we have a bunch of college students, like dream scenario. This is what I'm thinking. Probably after three, four months, we almost had a hundred people. Wow. College students. And then this church ends up growing like so fast. By the time we hit our third Easter, we had almost 2,500 people at Easter. Mm. So I'm young, under the weight of this pressure, the complexity of a growing organization, employees, leadership, how to build a team, how to build systems and culture and value. And I had no idea how to do any of that. I knew how to teach the Bible. I knew how to have a vision. I knew how to pour into the next generation of leaders. We had a school of ministry. All of those things were thriving, but there were a lot of gaps. So I'm living in this continuum of stress because literally our church is growing. Like we hit this number of people and then, and then it would double or, you know, it would grow so fast that we would have to literally re-engineer everything we were doing. All of our systems went out the door because you needed new systems for a new level of growth or new complexity. And all of that change and adaptation and adding over time, I just lived probably three, four years with paralyzing anxiety. The the level of stress got so bad by the time I hit year four and five, every single Sunday, I would go to bed at night thinking, God, I don't want to teach the Bible ever again. Because I would get up on stage and literally I'd feel like I'm blacking out and fainting the entire time. My body was just on E. I was so physically worn down. My 
my anxiety was to such a degree, literally it just took over my life. Sometimes I just wish I wouldn't have got out of bed. Like I couldn't sleep well. I wasn't functioning healthy. And it wasn't like I was doing anything bad. Like I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was serving Jesus. I was like, hopefully doing good in the work that we were doing as a church. But I had no wisdom or help or teaching on the end of preparation to say, when you become a leader, here's how to be healthy. Yeah. So I hit this point of like total burnout. Uh, my body was so sapped and exhausted that literally I was running on fumes. And it got so bad that I just like, I can't keep doing this. Like I was having panic attacks multiple times a week. I would be driving my car down the road and have a severe panic attack, have to pull over thinking I need to go to the hospital. That was happening multiple multiple times a week. And that just wears on you. You become fearful of everything. Like you're having anxiety about the anxiety attacks and the panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And that's just compounding on your mind, on your emotions, on your your spirit, uh, on your body. So I took a sabbatical year five. Because one of my mentors, Wayne Cordero, who wrote the book that leaders use for burnout, uh, running on empty, living on empty, or leading on empty, um, he had gone through two serious burnouts, one of which he had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. He was pastoring a church in Oahu, 14,000 people, and doing all the big conferences, a pastor of pastors. He's just such an amazing man. He helped me, and he said... At year five, the point that I came over to his house one day, he said, Wesley, you have to stop now. Like your body is telling you, if you go any further, you could have physical repercussions that will affect the rest of your life. I know I've been there. I've done that. So I listened to him, went on a sabbatical. And during that time, obviously, it's like a major healing process. You don't feel well overnight. It took a long, long time. But at the end of that, I said, okay, I don't ever want to go back there again. Mm. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to experience the mental health challenges that I was experiencing on a continuous basis to the heightened degree that I was experiencing. I never want to go back to burnout. So how do I re-engineer my life to be healthy? So I, I was reading books. I was talking to mentors. I was processing through mental health and Christianity and like the narrative I had heard because I was afraid to talk about it. Every time I heard about anxiety, panic attacks, depression, it was always in like a pejorative, like a negative point of view. Like, oh, you must be sinning. You must not be trusting God. You must not be praying enough. And I'm like, I I am trusting God. I am praying. For me, it had nothing to do with worry. I wasn't fearing anything. It was just the overwhelming load of stress over a long period of time that caused all of this in my life. So... I started to reframe my thoughts and I said, you know, if I'm dealing with this, there's probably a lot of other people that are leaders that are also dealing with the same thing. So I started to have those conversations and I realized all my friends who were leading churches that were in kind of my age range, all were experiencing very similar things. And I think that was like, I guess like a pinnacle moment for me where I thought, We've got to reframe the narrative of mental health and Christianity, one. Mm. But we also have to help leaders before they get into the situation be well and healthy. 
So I think part of what I do now around mental health and suffering with better days is just sharing my story and the things that I've learned to help leaders so that when they're dealing with this or before they're dealing with this, they can actually put really healthy things into their life, like inputs, so that they don't get to the point where I got to. And if they do get to the point I got to, hopefully I can be an example of hope that on the other side of this, I feel healthy and well. Sure, I deal with stress, and but I'm much more aware of myself and the alarm bells in me that I need to be aware of, which I wasn't back then. So some of the things that I learned, if I could just share with you some things that have been really helpful for me, is the first thing is I learned that I'm human. Hmm. Like I have limitations. I tried to be everything to everyone. I tried to do everything for everyone. I remember Wayne saying to me, as we were processing through what I was experiencing, he said, Wesley, people love you so much, they're going to kill you. And I never forget that. What he meant by that is they want you to be their pastor at their wedding. They want you to come over to their house. They want you to do their counseling. They want you to preach every Sunday. Mm. And all of those demands that you feel like you're supposed to meet, that's actually having a negative effect on your body, your soul, your mind, your spirit. So I had to say, okay, I can't be everything to everyone and I can't do everything for everyone. I can do something for someone. Hmm. But if I try to do everything for everyone, I'll end up doing nothing for everyone. Right. It's going to actually have the negative effect. It's going to cause me to be less effective and healthy in my leadership around people. And so I had to face my limitations, realize that I only had so much time so much energy, and I only had so many giftings where I needed to be aware that like some of the things I'm doing are actually weaknesses. I'm awful at them. I'm not meant to do them to the extent I'm trying to, and that it's okay that you have strengths that you can lean in and weaknesses that you need to be aware of, and then build a team around those weaknesses. And I think that was a learning curve, like how to do that. It's like you learn principles, but it's an art. You get better over time. Um, and so I think that was one of the key things that I, I had to learn. Another one was, I think our culture of leadership teaches us that leadership is all about output, like do this, achieve this, keep mm-hmm. progressing in this and that. Yeah. Like you're always thinking of the next thing. You're always thinking of like, how can we make this bigger and better? And that's not a bad thing. Like naturally we're wired to make things great. However. Every aspect of progress brings stress and pressure to me and to the people that I'm leading, right? So you have to count the cost. Like you have to be aware of how much progress to make in how much time will be healthy on you and the people that are helping you. And I don't think I did that well at the beginning. Like I was constantly making progress and vision and such. And then the people that were leading alongside of me were probably feeling the same way I was feeling. And a big mistake and failure on my end, but also just the evolution of experience, I didn't know. Mm. And I had to learn that do a few things well and continue to build things, but build things at such a pace that it actually is sustainable and healthy. So that was something 
because I'm an achiever and I'm a visionary. And I had to learn to adapt to do that in a really healthy way. And then with the input, I also had to learn not only to pace that, but also realize God doesn't create me just to be a person of output. Hmm. God's created me to be a person of input. And there has to be a balance, a symmetry, a dance, a harmony in that. Like, I can't just give and do and build and be. I also have to rest and disconnect and fill up again. You know how, like, some people on their iPhone, they're, you know, when it gets below 20%, it goes red. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, we live in that deficit. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, I'm on 1% red and I'm going to fill up to 20% red, but I'm always in red. I'm always filling that deficit. That's how I lived for so long. So I had to learn how to get outside of the red zone Mm. and to get in the green zone to be like, okay, I have to be really intentional to actually fill my tank up so that I'm not feeling depleted all the time, but I'm actually feeling well and rested. And like, there's joy in what I'm doing because I'm not empty all the time. Yeah. And so I had to look at all the parts of my life and say, I've got to invest in those. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is stewardship. Mm. And if we don't care for ourselves, we can't care for anybody else. Yeah. Like stewarding our leadership is first and foremost stewarding ourselves. And some people think of that as like selfish. And I'm like, wait a minute. Even Jesus did that. Even Jesus got away frequently to rest and to fill up his soul with the Father. Even Jesus felt depleted. So breaking away is so valuable because if we don't break away and we don't fill up our tank and we don't take the depleted state and get it back to a healthy state on a, on a continual basis, we literally will break under mm-hmm. the weight and stress and pressures of leadership. I think those are three like big things and underneath those like dealing with the stress and so on and so forth. There's a lot of practical things that I I now do in my life. But as far as concepts, like life-changing for me. And I feel really healthy. And I also am more aware of myself now, like how God wired me. Like I, when you're new in leadership, you try to do everything and you try to be everything. And then you try to like mirror other people. And I had to learn like, no, this is who you are. And this is what you're really good at. Mm. And lean into that. Don't try to be this and don't, You don't have to do this like this person. Just like own who you are. And that's going to be the most effective form of leadership that you have. If you've been listening in and found yourself saying, these are my people. Perfect. Come hang out with us at our spring preview day on March 6th through 7th. You'll meet our current students and staff and experience a day in the life of a Thrive College student. You'll also shadow one of our students in their internship and see what it's like to intentionally prepare for your calling. If you don't live in the Sacramento area, we'll host you overnight. To get all the details, visit mythrivecollege.com slash visit. We'll see you there. I have a follow-up question, if that's okay, Anne. Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, I feel like there's part of this that it just in pastoring young college students feels like a real generational gap. So I work with people and my bosses are in their 50s and their mentality is a little bit more that push-push. Um, you're an eyes generation. We're kind of somewhere in the middle of like, yeah, there's moments to push and then there's real moments to withdraw and to Mm -hmm. be refilled. I feel like um, this younger group of leaders that I'm beginning to pastor 
they're very sensitive to the push. So when do you know it's the right time to say yes to a challenge? Yes to adding something into your life. Yes to being pushed to maybe grow and expand. And when are you seeing those warning signs that you're already dealing with too much and you don't need to add something? You need to more adjust those inputs, not have more outputs. Yep. I think think there's an experiential awareness that takes place over time to know the right balance, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And I think every generation is different. So my generation, we lean too far on the spectrum of, at first, like, push. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, we need rest too. And then another generation might be like, oh, we're all about rest. Right. And then the push they're sensitive to. I think for yeah. all of us, we need to get in to like a really balanced mindset. Like mm-hmm. working hard is actually the way of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God put human beings to work. They weren't going to flourish without it. But within like working hard, six days work, one day rest, that was the original design that mm-hmm. God exemplified and he gave to us for, for our own well-being. I think we need to work hard and we need to rest well and mm-hmm. wisely. And I think... Becoming aware of your limits takes experience. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're like, oh, you know, like I'm overwhelmed, but maybe like, maybe that's a generational mindset sometimes mm-hmm. um, where it's like, oh, I, I don't want to do a lot. I want to make sure to prioritize my rest. Mm-hmm. Like we need to make sure that we're living in like the harmony that God designed. But on another level, there's sometimes that we say that and it's true. So I think we have to advocate for ourselves when we know we have hit our limit. Yes. Like we are doing way too much. And one of the indicators that you're doing way too much is you'll feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. Like physiologically, you will feel that pressure, that weight, that stress. And I think what happens is either it's anxiety or we, we don't get... We don't recover from our stress. We live in a state of it and we start feeling that. We get sick. We feel worn down. We have a lot of anxiety. We lose our passion. All of a sudden, like, you know, we love to do teaching or ministry or whatever. And Mm. we wake up one day and like, I don't love this anymore. Yeah. Like, I am just worn down, sapped, exhausted. I've lost my passion. All of those are indicators that like, you've hit the limit. Mm-hmm. And if you keep adding more and more, you're going to go over the edge into full-blown burnout or to an unhealthy mental health stage. Yeah. So I think that's when we advocate for ourselves. We just need to say, hey, like either A, this is too much mm-hmm. and I need to say no, or B, this is too much for me right now because I need to learn how to manage the stress mm-hmm. of this current circumstance. That's so good. Because yeah. sometimes, Dina, burnout isn't my circumstances externally. Right. Sometimes it's I haven't learned to manage the stress well in my circumstances. That's so true. So we've got to think about both of those lanes Yeah. when we say no. Um, I think we just have a healthy conversation. That's so good. With whoever's leading us. I love that. I love that. That is, I think, the best advice because even if the generations are feeling this different, and there maybe they're truly sensing different calls from God, the more that we're talking to each other and listening to each yes. other and respecting each other. I have tried to take a lot of input from the young college students 
that I'm leading and say, okay, well, maybe maybe there is something actually a little off about the pace of even Thrive College and what we ask them to do. Because if the students are coming to me and saying, I'm not doing well with the Lord, or I'm not doing, I'm not sleeping well, whatever it is, I want to listen to that. And then I also want to say, let's take a look at your full schedule and see if there's other things we can cut out. So I, I love that advice. Listen to your leaders and just personally, I feel like the previous 18 months of my life, I had this long conversation with God where I was like, can't handle it, can't handle it, what you're asking me to do. There's no option to not do, but also like I'm I'm kind of crumbling in the midst of it. And through that ongoing conversation with God and other people, what he ended up doing is he he grew me through it. And so I think there are, are seasons that we can opt out of. And we can take ourselves out of that. And then there's also moments where we can cry out to God and say, grow me through this so I can do what you have called me to do. In my particular circumstance, it was being a mom. I cannot opt out of that one, mm. right? But I could mom differently, right? I could, so good. I could mom but, and still get eight hours of sleep, even though I was telling God it was impossible. And so... Yeah, just to encourage you, Anne, I, I love that that's the question that you're asking. I love what God has called you to, and I I hope this is helpful for you. And I'm sorry if I stole your follow-up question. I just had that one. Oh, Did you have any um, follow-up? Well, kind of a little bit of a follow-up question or just a question on its own is those other things in my daily life that I might need to cut out. Um what is like that healthy balance? Because when I started Thrive, I had so many shows I was watching. I was even like reading a bunch of books that just weren't the Bible. And so from being in Thrive, I've realized that I don't even do those things anymore. Now I'm just focusing on the Bible and part of rest could be enjoying those scenes. And so just what is the balance that I can find in that a healthy one? Yeah, I don't think there's a perfect formula, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all different. And what depletes in us quick might be different individually, right? And what needs to be filled up quickly might be different in each of us individually. So I don't think there's any like magic formula for every person in every situation. But I do think that over time we kind of learn like, oh, it's okay that I pour into this part of my life. Like fun. Mm. Fun is good. It brings us joy. It disconnects us from the stressors and pressures of life. We get kind of in a healthy way, can mentally detach for a moment from all the things we have to think about, all the responsibilities, and just, like, enjoy something. I think that's something God has given us as a gift, like, to do things that fill up our soul that we really enjoy with people or individually. So I just wouldn't feel guilty Hmm. about that as a Christian. I think sometimes as a Christian, we're like, like, I'm supposed to read my Bible for 18 hours a day. Jesus didn't even do that. Um, So, like, there are, Jesus hung out with people. He laughed. He ate meals with people. He lived life. Like, there's so many aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus that sometimes we don't realize is very expansive rather than myopic. Like, oh, I put myself into this box. So, I think doing things you enjoy is actually really, really good and healthy. Um, And I think... You know, in life, we have big rocks and small rocks. What are those big rocks? These are non-negotiable things that I need to invest in. Um, and I need to allocate time to every week. And what are small rocks, non-negotiable? 
we should have more big rocks than small rocks, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that we don't have too many things that fill up in our bag of responsibilities. So I think you just write down, like, what are my big rocks? Like, that are priorities in my life. What are my small rocks? And like, how many mm-hmm. small rocks can I add to my bag before it's too heavy? Wow. And in every that's season, good. that's a great way to evaluate, like, what I can pour into. And we need to have fun things like in our bag too. So like some of those might be like a big rock or a small rock, but we need to add that to our backpack of responsibilities. So maybe that helps as like a concept or a tool. Yeah, definitely does. So I love giving out homework. I don't know if people like receiving homework, but here's the homework I think from this episode is I love the big rocks, little rocks. If you feel a sense of calling in your life, and that calling, by the way, is not just for pastors. We are all called to ministry. We are called to make disciples. So if you sense that God has important work for you to do, your homework from Dina is to take out a piece of paper, or you can even do it on your phone, and title big rocks and then little rocks, and write down, put into words, those non-negotiables that God has called you to. And then write down your little rocks and make sure in your big rocks, I think one of the things you're saying, one of the big rocks is rest and things that truly make your soul delight and have fun and experience the good side of life. It's, It's not just all the list of things you think God needs you to do, but it's also the things that God wants you to receive and to experience. I have one more thing to add. Yes, do. One more piece of homework? No, no, no okay. more homework. Like, no, more no more homework. That's for you to give out. <laughs> okay. I'll be I'm the no queen. homework guy. Oh, you're so much nicer. But amazing questions. And I want to circle back to one of your questions because I think there's something important just to say to young leaders. When you feel, when you get to the point where you want to hit the eject button, mm. you just want to quit. Too hard, too stressed, too much. Most of the time, I would recommend don't hit the eject button. Take a step back, evaluate the health and state of your soul, your life, your ministry, reflect on it, write down the things you can do to be more healthy and have a conversation with whoever's over you and share honestly and vulnerably, but also invite them in to help you. I think most leaders want to help other leaders flourish. And sometimes we're afraid to have that conversation, but sometimes that conversation could be life-changing for us. Instead of quitting because it is hard and life is hard and ministry and leadership is hard and we all feel like quitting sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes a healthy like moment of reflection and learning and growth, what can I do better to manage the stress? What are the most important things I can do? What are things that I may be doing and putting more too much investment into that I can allocate to somebody else or somewhere else? And then what type of conversation can I have with a person over me that can help me come alongside of me to live and to thrive once again in the things that I'm doing? I just say too many of us are tempted to quit and maybe some of us want to quit at this moment. Maybe the answer for most of us is not to quit, right? but to get better and healthier in what we're doing. So So I just want to encourage anybody out there that's just feeling that. I love that. That's so helpful, Wesley. These past three episodes have been so very helpful. And I want to encourage anyone listening that is truly um, sad that this is your last uh, episode, at least in this series on mental health, 
that they can still experience more of your wise teaching through two avenues. One, the Bayside Davis Teachings Podcast. So you can go and listen to the amazing word from God's word that Wesley gives every week to his church in Bayside Davis, but also the Better Days podcast. If you cannot get enough of these concepts of how we can, as leaders, as people called, have great mental health, then check it out because it is so good. Thank you. Thank you. So appreciate that and love the Thrive College and the Thrive College podcast. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. And thank you for joining us and interviewing me. What a joy to know you and just to be a part of this. So glad to have you. I'm Dominic. I'm a Thrive College alumni. I'm now serving as a student ministries pastor at Bayside Blue Oaks. My mental health journey started when I was in high school. It peaked as a sophomore in college, staring at the edge of a bridge, wanting to end it all. It continues today. Four years later, I'm still fighting the battle in my head to believe that I'm worth more. All my life, I've believed that I wasn't enough and that no one wanted me. Boy, was that a lie that the devil convinced me of for so long. One thing I've learned from my battle for mental health has been the power of community. Having a group of people who seek to listen and care has been really important. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer from friends in bringing my darkness into the light has made a significant difference in my mental health. If there's one thing I could encourage you with, it's find people who will listen and push you towards God. Thanks for joining the conversation with us. If you loved what you heard, subscribe and share this podcast. To connect with and learn more about us, you can find us on Instagram at Thrive College or visit us at MyThriveCollege.com. And finally, leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Prayers for you as you live the life God has called you to live.